Welcome to the One City Church audio experience. My name is Jesse Dan Yusuf and I serve as the lead pastor. Our vision is to see everyone everywhere becoming one with God and our mission is to bring heaven to earth in our city as it is in heaven. Right now, we are preparing for the official launch of our church on Sunday the 1st of October 2023 and we are inviting you to be a part of this special move of God. For more information, you can visit our website www.one-city.org or follow us on social media at One City Online. Now let's listen to the message. We are in a very special season in our community, in our church, where um, for, for many of us who were in the tribe, um, we know we announced in October that we had gone through a transition and we had a beautiful um, transition ceremony so to speak transition service and we on the first of january we announced the vision we believe the lord was um entrusting in our hands to plant which now became one movement um, inspired by john 17 and um one movement is giving birth to one city church hallelujah so you are in one city church and our Vision, again, is to see everyone everywhere becoming one with God. So we are doing a series called Building One City. And where we are going to go through um, a couple of weeks down the line, we are going to be going through, I believe, some of the things that God is giving us to aspire to and to become. Are you with me? Amen? Amen. But honestly, the name, all these things are the list of, what I believe God is calling us to do. Um, we are called to, first and foremost, be his, like be his children, be his sons and daughters, and walk in obedience, and walk in discipleship. Glory to God. Amen. So he, he's calling us to walk first in love as sons and daughters, but then in discipleship. And now, um, as a pastor, one of the things I told you guys I've been praying is that our church is a modern example of the early church movement. Are you with me? That one city becomes a modern day example of the early church movement. And when we look at the early church, we see that they walk, that they worshiped Jesus. Jesus was at the center and they fellowshiped with one another. They loved one another. Um, they moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. They were bold. Glory to God. And that's my prayer for us. Last year, our theme at the tribe of Abuja was the move of God. And it was inspired by a quote by, I believe, by John Wesley. He says, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. Pardon me, that's not John Wesley. He's the founder of Salvation Army. Um, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. Hallelujah. I see often in our generation, we, and it's beautiful, it's a good thing to cry out for God to move, for God to move, for God to move, but God has already moved. Hallelujah. All we are praying is, Lord, reveal what you're doing and how we can be a part of it. Amen. So what we are saying that we here in one city, how can we be part of the move of God? I believe God is calling us to the ministry of reconciliation. That's why our theme is becoming one. So John 17, Jesus prays what we call the um, high priestly prayer, where he was praying and interceding for his disciples. And he was praying to the Father and he said, Lord, I pray that they are one. I pray that they are what? One, that they become perfectly one so that the world will know that you sent me. And through their oneness, through their unity with the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and unity in the ecclesia, unity in the body of Christ, that what will happen? That the world will know that God sent Jesus and that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, one of the things like we've been doing over the past few weeks is to come into agreement that, number one, Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is who he says he is. That he is the Son of God. The proof of his sonship was not even in the miracles, was not even in the word he did, but was in the resurrection. Amen. So last week we celebrated the 
resurrection, right? And we talked about the different theories of people who have been trying to disprove what the um, resurrection, disprove the resurrection. But today I want to start from somewhere. Uh, uh, after Jesus resurrected and the Bible tells us he appeared to them, the Bible says he stayed with them for about 40 days. And through the scriptures, he was taking them through the scriptures to tell them about the meaning of the resurrection and what's to come. Amen? Amen? Now, here I'm thinking like, okay, you know, I mentioned something yesterday that I heard um, last week, pardon me, that I, I heard the pastor say that if a dead man comes back to life, I tend to believe anything he says. So, even the disciples doubted. They ran away. They saw the empty tomb. Amen? But they saw a, the bodily resurrection of Christ Jesus. And that radically transformed their life. So last week, we prayed from Philippians 3.10, where Paul said, I desire to know him. I want to know him and to know the power of his resurrection. And here, I want us to start from somewhere where we're going to talk about the implications of the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Are you with me? So if Jesus resurrected, and so what? If Jesus resurrected, and so what? It means that everything he said is true. Everything he has said is valid. Are you with me? So he claimed to be the resurrection and the life. So he proved he was the resurrection by coming back to life. But he also says, if you believe in me, this same life that I have, this Zoe life, this new life that I have, you will also have. So, what is the implication of the resurrection? It means that if we believe in the resurrected son, if we believe in the resurrected Jesus, his life now becomes our life. Amen? It means that just as Jesus says that if we believe in him, we are one with him. That we are united with the father and the son. And because Jesus is seated in heavenly places, the New Testament tells us that we are seated where? In Christ. Hallelujah. In heavenly places. So the seat you are sitting on is less real than where you are in Christ Jesus. Right now, positionally, you are in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Are you with me? Amen. So if the resurrection is true, and last week we said the resurrection is true. If the resurrection is true, everything Jesus has said about himself and what's to come is true. And he has said that we are united with him. And union with him means what? That we have the same life with him, and then we are what? Positionally with him. We have the righteousness of God. Which means we are justified before the Father. We are justified before God. And we are also righteous in the sense that right now, where Jesus is, that's where we are. Glory to God. Isn't that exciting? Hallelujah. Uh, 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 uh. Another thing that we must also consider is... Because the resurrection is true, like I said, everything Jesus has said is true. Because he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Amen? I'm going to what? Prepare a place for you. I'm going to make room for you in my father's house. So, eternity is real. Amen? Eternity is what? Is real. At most, we live Humanity will live at most um, 120. What is the, um, okay, let's not, I wanted to, uh, who knows what the, um, what's that thing called? The mortal, mortality rate in Nigeria is like 45? 50? 45, it's like 45. It's like 45. Like, is that the more life expectancy is what? 45, right? 45, okay. The point is this, our entire existence is but a blip, eh? is what? Is a blip compared to what eternity is. Eternity is not time after time. Eternity is outside time. 
So, but it's so important that what we do in the now, in this fraction of our existence, affects what? Our entire eternal existence. So everybody born of God is born again, is born in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says we have received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. Amen. So everybody born of God is a son of God, is a child of God. So we are one with God. We are going to be with the Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. But we have, we, 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 we have a short time. 120 years compared to eternity is a blip. It's a blip. It's, it's nothing. But God has made the temporal, the temporal very important. So we should not live like we have all the time. When we came into the new year, the Lord gave us a verse from Psalms, Proverbs. Say, teach me to number my days so that I may incline my heart to wisdom. It's not to count down our birthdays, but I used to treat every day wisely, knowing that someday we are going to transition from this life into eternity. Amen? So if the resurrection is true, eternal life is true. And according to the New Testament, according to Jesus, there are two places we can end up. Either you end up with the Father or separated from Him. But those who believe in the Son will get to be with the Father. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. So how then should we live? How then should we live? If the resurrection is true, how then should we live? Now, the story of the gospel, I told you last week, does not end at the cross. I said you should look to the cross and you should look through the cross and see the empty tomb. But even the story of the gospel does not end at the resurrection. Are you with me? The story of the gospel does not end at the resurrection. Jesus also ascended. Hallelujah. And we are told that he will be glorified. Amen. And that that is our journey as well. So the story of the gospel is not that Jesus came to die for your sins and that sin and death has been defeated and that you have a new life in Christ Jesus. It's but that you get to be one with the Father and that you have the same thing that Christ has. You will have the same inheritance. You have the identity that Christ um, has because he's the firstborn of all creation. Now we are coming after him and everything that God has given his son, Jesus Christ, we are told that we will have as well. That is the story of the gospel. Amen? So the life, death, burial, resurrection, the ascension, and the glorification of Christ Jesus. That's the full story of the gospel. Amen? So how then should we live? We should live in response to this. So while we are here, we've been given a task to do. Hallelujah. We've been given what? A task to do. Now let us open to Matthew 28, 18 to 14. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Glory to God. How then should we leave? Jesus gives us a task. He commissions us to do a work. Earlier on, and I'm sure some of you may, may relate to this, when I became born again, one of the things I used to say is, if I'm, if I'm may God in heaven, I'm fine. How many of us know? You understand? Some of you probably still saying it. Sir, that's not your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we often think of the thief on the cross, and it's a beautiful story that at the twilight, like he's about to go, but he gets into paradise. 
you know, and that's how the grace of God functions, you know. And, um, you know, he didn't know theology. He didn't know any other thing, right? All he knew was that this man at the middle, like um, Stephen Lawson was saying, that when the, when the angels ask the, the man at the gate, how did you get in here? He would say, the man in the middle said I should come. All he did was believe in Jesus. But his story, let's say for some reason he survived the crucifixion and he was allowed to live a life. His life would have been to live a life showing that he believed. Are you with me? As much as we love that story and it shows the grace of God, that it shows how jealous God is for people and how much he loves us that he will go to the ends of the earth to get someone that even in his final moments to get him to be with him, right? It's a beautiful story. I want us to understand that we now, we must now live for him. I don't know if I'm making sense, right? It's not, it's not, I want, let me not say it's not enough. Now we, uh, 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 we don't get into heaven by our own works. Amen? We believe in the finished works of Christ. And then we get into union with the Father. But while we still have breath in our lungs and while we are still alive, we are called to leave that which we believe. Amen? And we are called to live in obedience. So we are to show our salvation. That's show that we are saved, not work for our salvation. Make sense? So now, this is how Jesus wants us to live. This is the last instruction he gives us. He tells us something first. He says, all authority, where? In heaven and on earth, has been given to me. He now delegates power. He gives us this authority and he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All authority, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth. Why? Was given to him because he had proven himself. He had obeyed the father. He had lived and died and come back to life in obedience to the father. The father has now given him what? All authority. We who now believe in him, we are told that we now, uh, uh, Jesus now gives us the same power that he has. Hallelujah. And because of the power that he has, he's telling us, go and tell people about me. Amen. Go and bring people into oneness. Glory to God. Go and bring people what? Into oneness. Bring them into the union I have with the Father. Bring them. Let them know what we have. Let them enjoy what we have. So, Jesus is not just for you. Hallelujah. Jesus is for everybody. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is for everybody. Shout in your other neighbor's ear. Jesus is for everybody. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So, this task is not for some people. It is for everyone. Go, therefore. That's the last command. We call it the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So, if you ask, who has given you permission? Jesus. Why? Because all authority has been given unto him. Glory to God. So, this, this ministry to disciple the nations is not for some people. It's not for pastors or evangelists or missionaries. It is for everyone. Amen. It is for who? Everyone. We've been called to live like we believe in the resurrection. Glory to God. So let's open to Acts 1.8. Someone else should read very quickly Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. For you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hallelujah. Jesus in... Um, Matthew 28, he's saying all authority. That word is power as well, but it is the Greek word used here is exousia. That is um, governmental power or power to power over people, power over systems. Are you with me? 
power to do things is authority. The word for power here is dunamis, which is ability or capacity. So Jesus is not just giving us the permission. He's giving us the power, the capacity to do what? To do what? To disciple nations and to bear witness to him. Amen? To disciple nations and to bear witness to him. Glory to God. Now, some of you may be sitting and you're wondering, this, Pastor Jesse, this is not even my calling. I'm not, I can't do what you're asking me to do. Let me show you what it means to bear witness. Let us open to John 4. John 4, verse 39. So, let me give you a context. Jesus was on his way to, where was he going to? was on his way to, uh, no, he passed through Samaria. He was heading somewhere, but he passed through Samaria, right? And they encounter, they, he encounters his disciples go to get food. And he encounters this woman who has been married five times. And she's been living in shame. She's been living ashamed, right? Jesus meets her, has a conversation with her, and he reveals to her that he is the son of God. For the first time in her life, she is seen and she is known. For the first time in her life, she is seen and she is known, and she encounters the Messiah in such a way that radically changes her life, that this woman who was in the day going, I don't know how many of you grew up with wells in your homes, but you don't go to fetch water at high noon. Am I lying or am I saying the truth? It's rare, do you understand? Because the best time is either in the cool of the evening or early morning, right? And historians are, are, are should I say, postulating or specul speculating that one of the reasons is because while people go during the evening or in the morning, everybody's at that well, right? And look at this woman coming to get water and she's living in shame, she would definitely be the talk of that. Have you walked in the room and everybody just, has that happened to you? I pray that never happens to you in Jesus' name. But I assume that one of the reasons, because she was the talk of the town, she was probably a misfit and she was despised, right? And she's probably, uh, she came out at that time and she encounters Jesus. People were turning away from her, but Jesus sought to see her that day. And she encounters Jesus. And this woman who turns from shame and encounters Jesus runs to her village. Verse 39. See. Okay, so see from 20. I'll read 28 and then we'll see something. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can he be the Christ? Can he be the anointed one? Can he be the Messiah? Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because of what? The woman's testimony. Now, guys, you people probably understand this. If we find a good barber. We can almost not keep it to ourselves. Amen, guys. Amen. 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 Oh, wait, what's happening? You guys get keep. You do? <laughs> Be released. I release you from that bondage in Jesus' name. Okay, the point I'm making is this. When people encounter something that radically transforms their life, it's really hard to keep it to themselves. If you think I'm lying, open your Instagram. We take pictures of the food before we eat it, even if it's not sweet. You understand? We just want to be, we want to be, we want people to know that we've had this experience. Do you understand? If we've had an encounter, an experience that has radically changed our lives or something we really enjoy, we want others to partake of it. Or at least we want others to know. In other words, we are giving a testimony. Jesus says, all authority has in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He tells them in Acts 1.8 that all power has been given to and you, you shall receive power, pardon me, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what? You shall be my witnesses. Do you know something? The Greek word 
for witness is the word matter. Is that how it's pronounced? Matter or matter? Matter. The Greek word for witness is matter. Do you know what? What's a matter? Someone that has lost his or her life for something they believe in, right? Abi? Jesus is saying that you will not just live for me. You will die for me. A witness is more than just because you are able, uh, uh, people, you will just ask the woman who shame had left her. She forgot that she came to get water. She ran into the village. She says, come and see. Come and experience what I've encountered. Come and enjoy what I'm enjoying. So that's what it means to be a witness. And that's what it means to give testimony. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have the ability, you have the might, the capacity to what? Live for Christ. You have the ability and the capacity to what? Die for Christ. Amen. So your testimony is important. And John 4, 39 says, Many Samaritans, what? Believed. Because of what? The woman's testimony. If you read further down, later it says, We do not just believe because of your testimony. We now believe because of his word. Amen. So your testimony is important. Some of you think it's until you may have escaped, like Amrabas robbed your um, aeroplane or... Um, I'm just trying to think of something. Do you understand? You think you must have some radical testimony. No, sir. No, ma. Your testimony is this. I was lost. Now I'm found. I was dead. Now what? I'm alive in Christ Jesus. And you see how Jesus has transformed your life. How the resurrection is resurrecting you. How you are living a new life in Christ Jesus. Our duty is not to make new men. Our duty is to tell them what Jesus has done for us. Amen. So what the Holy Spirit does is give us that capacity, that boldness, that power, that might to tell people what he has done for us. Glory to God. Please stop sitting on your testimony. Because of a woman, a whole town was changed. Stop sitting on your testimony. I was telling Eva last night, I was saying, I'm praying that our church grows. Not just spiritual depth, but numerically. And about a hundred people come to service every Sunday. But I was just thinking, do you know influence has surpassed just this. Many of us sitting here, we have thousands of followers on our socials. Thousands. How are you sharing the testimony? How are you bearing, bearing witness to Christ? Let me tell you, you know the story of the man who had legion in him. When Jesus freed him, what happened? He went round. What did the Bible say? He went to the Decapolis. Only Decapolis is ten cities. Deca is ten polices cities. He went through ten cities preaching about Christ, and they all knew him. Oh. They all knew him. Hey, 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 look at the. Let me not call it name. <laughs> look at that guy. We used to know him. Do you understand? And he couldn't hide because he ha still had the scars on him, and he is now saying. He's a, he has a sound mind and he's able to say, I don't know what happened to me. I encountered Jesus. That's all I know. I encountered Jesus. That should be our testimony. That should be our witness. How is Jesus changing your life? How has he changed your life? Tell the world. Amen. Do you know what the testimony does? It does not just free people. It, it defeats the enemy. Revelations 12. You overcame the devil. How? By the blood of the Lamb. And by what? By the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. Amen. So we have all a call to bear witness. To tell the world about Jesus. Not everybody will be here. 
Amen? Not everybody's going to be here. But you should steward the influence that you have. Bear witness in your family. Bear witness as a mother. Bear witness as a father, as a husband. How is Christ transforming you? How are you allowing him to transform you? Tell your family, tell your immediate sphere, tell the world, tell, let it be known in your office. Bear witness that a resurrected Christ, that he lives. And because he lives, I live also. And he has changed my life. Come and see the man who has said everything about me. Come and see the man who has healed me from all sickness and disease. Come and see the man who found me when I was lost. Come and see the man who found me in my sickness and disease. Come and see the man who translated me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Come and see the man who has fed me. Amen. Share your testimony. Hallelujah. So just like the man who imagined one man's testimony, 10 cities. I think we should change our church name. <laughs> ten, welcome to 10 City Church. I mean, it's not, it's not. <laughs> we'll just add one behind the zero. Okay, there's no, anyway. Place your phones. Okay. I'm Here's what I'm basically saying. You really don't know the impact of sharing Jesus and how he has changed your story. You don't know. And your own is not to even care. Your own is to what? Obey. Amen. Your own is to what? Go. Why? Because he has given you exousia and he has given you dunamis. He has given you authority. He has given you the permission. And he has given you what? The power, the capacity, the ability. Amen. Amen. I did my internship in a company that... Um, this is 10 years ago, in a company that, um, sorry, what am I saying, 11 years ago, in a company that worked with the presidency, and so like our ID card had presidency on them, and you know, the cars we moved in, God, my, I loved those days. Woo! I, 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 I miss it. Where was I heading to? Um, if you have, <laughs> if you have, the presidency on it. There are places you can enter. Amen. Yes, there's, there, are, there are things you can do. You understand? So think of even uh, powerful countries that their passports have access to um, hundreds of countries, right? They have permission to get into that place. You have permission. You have authority. Hallelujah. Because you're a child of God. Hallelujah. Because what? You're a child of God. Share your testimony. Amen. Amen. Now, the woman in John 4, some people call her the first evangelist. Because it's the first time we see someone actually going out to come and tell about Jesus. Or the first female evangelist. So what does that mean for our church? Let's open to John 17. John 17. Um, someone should read 20 to 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, I in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as love them even as you loved me. While we were praying during our September fast, we kept going back to this. I kept going back to this. And I believe God was calling us to do two things, to invite us into union with him amen but also to live in union so three things pardon me invite us into union with the father and the son and the spirit amen to be in union in the body hallelujah and that while we are in union others will join us glory to god so we are one with the father the son and the holy spirit 
We are one in the body of Christ, in the ecclesia, in the assembly. And then in our oneness, we are calling people to oneness. Are you with me? So Jesus has called us to participate in that union that he and the Father has. Because everything the Father is, Jesus is. And just as he is, we are as well. So for every time you feel less than, you should remind yourself of who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And Robert McCheney says, for every time you take a look at your sin, take 10 looks at God. I was, hearing, I was seeing a testimony yesterday where one man was talking about, um, a pastor was saying earlier on in his days before he got married, um, he was dealing with pornography and the addiction to pornography. And he had an accountability partner. And he told him that, please, anytime I slip up, I'm going to call you. And he would call this man every time he slipped up. And the first time he called him, all the man said was telling him was, you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. They were like, I don't really feel like it. Second time, third time. And he asked him, why do you keep telling me that I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus? Just because that's who you are. Because righteousness is not just how we feel. Are you with me? Righteousness is not in our feelings. It's a legal thing. And we've been invited into that oneness because the righteousness Christ have, has, we now have. And we are supposed to leave that out. Are you with me? Oneness is oneness in love, is union in, in, in love. That everything that we see in Jesus, everything we see the Father has given Jesus, we have as well. Why? Because we are in Christ Jesus. And that's the story of the New Testament teaching. All the apostles were making us understand. And I gave an assignment last year. I said, go and read, go and Google anytime you see in Christ, in Christ in Christ. And you see how powerful it is that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in Christ Jesus, we have victory. In Christ Jesus, we have an inheritance. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, our identity is sealed. So the first thing we must understand is that we are one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is a mini, uh, uh, one of the callings of this house, that we must continually align. Amen. Let me tell you something. Um, if you feel that you are far from God, the shortest way home is to turn back to him. Did you hear what I said? The shortest way what? Home is to turn back to him. I see many sisters and brothers in Christ Jesus. When we slip up, we think that we are not good enough, so we start running from Jesus. Meanwhile, he's saying, no, come back home. So our duty as a community now is to what? Align, constantly align, align. We go to the text and we see what we see in Christ. We see in ourselves. Amen. Amen. Oneness. 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 And we're going to do a whole teaching of oneness in Christ Jesus or union theology. Identity in Christ Jesus, inheritance in Christ Jesus. But another thing I believe God has called us to steward in this house is oneness in the body. Hallelujah. We are not better than anyone and nobody is better than us. We believe that God has called different denominations, different houses to serve those people. Amen. And we will intercede and pray for the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Because there is, there is power in unity. There is power in oneness. I've said it several times here. That the enemy is not afraid. He's not afraid of your speaking in tongues. He's not afraid of miracles. But do you know what he's afraid of? A united church. Because when we gather in agreement. Hold my hand. Why were you here? Stating? When we gather in agreement. When you hold, hold this lady's hand. Just be holding each other. Let Make a chain. I did not plan this, but... We are here now and the illustration cannot stop in order to look awkward. Okay. You need to, so sometimes some people are slow to you understand. But God's grace. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. See, the chain is growing. But if we're in agreement and we're going, one of the power of the Holy Spirit came when the Bible tells us that when the Bible said they were what? In one accord. Amen. So one of the things we must steward in this house is oneness in the body. We must pray for the body of Christ. We must pray and we ourselves must continue in that oneness. Okay, it's not getting too awkward. 
We must pray in agreement. Hallelujah. That it is Jesus we are worshiping and that we are doing his will. Amen. So please, I want to say something. Let us not criticize the church like others do. You're talking about someone's wife. Watch how you talk about someone's wife. He, he done bust your mouth. Because the church is the bride of Christ. Amen? The church is the bride of Christ. Now, are there things we need to correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be the first person to say it. But, let me tell you, the church, and I mean capital C, is marching on, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The future of the church does not depend on Jesse, um, uh, Bishop Oedipo, um, um, Papa uh, Redeem, Adeboe, or, or any, of the, any of the great men of God. And thank God for that. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I will build my church. So we continually follow him. We, we are just servants. Amen. So I want you to believe in the church. Because Jesus is the pastor over the church. He's the bridegroom over the church. And he's leading his bride. Glory to God. And the last thing is, I said, to invite people in oneness. Because Jesus said, I'm praying that they'll be one because others will be part of them. And because they will believe that, uh, that's how they'll believe that I have sent them. So when we looked at John 17 and we're looking at this text, God gave us the vision which we have just reduced to this phrase. Everyone, everywhere, becoming one with God. So I've been talking about becoming one with God, alignment. Amen? Reconciliation. God has given us a ministry of reconciliation and he has made us ambassadors of, of, of um, reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. He has made us ministers of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Is what? Reuniting. Right? Right? It's ending a feud. Hallelujah. And is restoration. So God has reconciled us. God read 2 Corinthians 5. First, he reconciled us to himself. Then he now said what? Go and be ministers. What is a minister? A servant. Go and be a servant of this reconciliatory message. Go and bring others into reunion. Amen. So this is for everybody. So our vision at One City, at One Movement, is to see everyone everywhere becoming one with God. God has called us into the ministry of reconciliation, into becoming one with him. And it's not just Pastor Jesse or Pastor Eva. It is everybody. Hallelujah. So first, you are reconciled to God. You are, you are one with God. Are you with me? You are one with God. You have union with him. Everything we see in Christ Jesus, it is ours. Can you just reduce it a bit? Everything in Christ Jesus is us. We are reconciled with him. We are reunited with him. Then now Jesus is saying, go and tell the world. Go therefore, I've given you exousia. I've given you dunamis. I've given you authority and I've given you power. Go and bring others into this fellowship that we have. Into this union of oneness that we have. Hallelujah. Becoming one. And that's our theme for the year. Becoming one. This series is called Building One City. So I'm doing this because I want everybody to understand where we are going. You're not just gathering here because you just, there's nowhere else to go. Amen? The church has a vision. This local assembly has a vision, and that's our vision, to become one with God. Then we want to see everyone. Jesus is for everybody. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations. How many nations? All nations. Do you know the beautiful thing? When we go to Revelation 5, John said he saw people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Isn't that beautiful? He saw in the heavenlies people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation Jesus, Jesus' heart is for everybody. Jesus is not for some. Are you with me? He's for who? Everyone. 
So the gospel is for everybody. Hallelujah. The gospel is for who? Everybody is for everyone. And that's our duty. So it's not that some people deserve the gospel and <laughs> others don't. Even us, we're Gentiles. Abi, <laughs> we're Gentiles. But now by the grace of God, we are one with him. So we now take this message of reconciliation, this message of oneness to everyone. So it's everyone everywhere becoming one with God. We take this message everywhere, geographical um, regions and other spheres of life. So if you're a businessman, if you're a housewife, if you're a pastor, if you're a politician, if you're a government official, if you're a military officer, you have the duty to spread the message of what? Oneness. Jesus is Lord over all, not Lord over some. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is what? Lord over all and Lord over all. That's why his name is Lord of Lords and what? King of Kings. So the message of the gospel, by the grace of God, will get to the ends of the earth. So he said what? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28. Acts 1.8. He says, take this message from where? Jerusalem to Samaria. Then where? To the ends of the earth. Glory to God. Everyone everywhere becoming one with God. Say it after me. Everyone everywhere becoming one with God. One more time. Everyone everywhere becoming one with God. So the message, God has called each and every one of us into different places. I can't live in your house. I will not be in your workspace. But this message of oneness that lives in your heart can live where you are. Amen. The gospel is for everyone and should be everywhere. Jesus Christ wants to reign. When we pray, thy kingdom come, is him reigning through us where we are? Hope you know. Amen. And because he has made us kings, prophets, and priests, as kings, he has given us dominion and authority to subdue the earth, to have power over the earth. So king of kings is that he is king over you. He has made you king, which means you have a domain that you influence, that you control. Hallelujah. So we now take this message of oneness, this gospel of reconciliation to the ends of the earth, from Abuja to the ends of the earth. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. In 2016 or 2017, for the first time, I heard a man who got shared a vision about how there is an end time revival coming where we're going to see stadiums being filled to the glory of God. And we're going to see billions people. He was talking about a billion man harvest. Now, I wrote it down and I was praying over it. I, I swept it away because at the time I just felt eh, it's for you people. Let me just be doing the one I know. And the Lord reminded me sometime last year again. And I wrote it in my journal and I swept it aside. Reminded me several times about the billion harvest and I swept it aside. Then I saw Pastor Irem announce how, how do they put it a billion souls ten thousand cities and my goodness i was just so strengthened when i transitioned and he called me to encourage me about our transition we were talking about that thing as well i want to say this thing is not a this harvest is not for a church amen it's not just going to be celebration church now, uh, maybe I'll share some other place that God was revealing about this billion harvest, but there is going to be a move of God, a revival that will sweep the earth. Because if the resurrection is true, the end times are true. Jesus is coming back again. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is coming back again. <laughs> it's like they, they didn't believe you. Tell them again. Jesus is coming back again. Amen. Because if the resurrection is true, he's coming back. He's coming back. And before he comes back, he wants that his message to go to the ends of the earth. So we must not think like this thing 
It's just a small church. Let's just be enjoying ourselves. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this before some people start misinterpreting. I'm not interested in building an empire at all. But I want that this message of the gospel to get to as many people as possible. That's why we have a ministry particularly that uh, um, helps missionaries in the north. Where churches are dying weekly. Christians are dying weekly and we are sponsoring missionaries. We've not done that in a while because guys, we need to get money like that. But please, we need to come back to that. So my heart is to see everyone everywhere becoming one with God. I'm saying that Jesus' prayer, I want to be an answer to Jesus' prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. So this one billion harvest, we are a part of it. Can I get that? Amen. I said what? We are a part of this one billion harvest. And this thing, it will be seen in our generation. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, let me not overwhelm you. Because you're thinking one billion. How do you play your part? The Lord gave us a strategy. December or January. said we should pray for one soul. And minister to one soul. How many of us remember? So we're saying just one more soul, God. This past week, some members of our community have been going to, to, to evangelize. And you know, I've been so happy. I've been so glad when I heard that. Because I cannot do everything. I'm a pastor. This is my gift. I'm to lead. I'm to steer people, steer vision and teach. My office is not that of the evangelist. But there are people who feel called, led. And we will support that. Amen. So, but the call to evangelize is not just those who are in the office of evangelism. But to present this gospel to everyone, everywhere. So this one billion mandate, this one billion harvest, we're a part of it. And here's what you do. Just say, Lord, one more soul. You're going to pray till your father gives his life to Christ. You're going to pray till your mother gives her life to Christ. You're going to pray till you see your drug-addicted brothers and sisters give their lives to Christ. You're going to pray till you see your friends come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Are you with me? You're going to pray to people in your offices, see Jesus, know Jesus, and join you in this one billion harvest. Hallelujah. Till everyone everywhere becomes one with God. Amen. How do you do it? You share your testimony. You bear witness. We are not just called to live for him now, but we are called to die for him. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. Listen, guys, no more games. Our life on earth is but a fraction. It's but a fraction. And what we do, what we do now, it affects where we are going. Are you with me? It affects where? Where we are going. Hallelujah. If we know what hell is, you won't wish it on your worst enemy. If you know what hell is, you won't wish it on your worst enemy. I see celebrities do joke about hell and they do um, um, Grammy, what's it called? What's in the column? Grammy performances. Ah, no. Hell is not, it's not something we should wish on anybody. It is eternal separation from God. Do you know eternal separation from God is worse than the fires itself? You are separated forever from God. So we have a duty. We're going to pray and we're going to partake. The revival that we are praying for, we are going to become the revival because we are not waiting for a move of God. We are a move of God. And one city church, our prayer is that we are a modern day example of the early church movement. Amen. What did we see in the early church? Oneness. One accord, fellowship, prayer, communion, generosity. Amen. And we see ordinary people like Stephen moving in the power of God. Stephen was not an apostle. But the Bible says he had grace and power. And he did wondrous 
wondrous things. Can you just pray in the spirit? One minute, just pray. You are a witness of the resurrection. You're a witness of the resurrection. Christ is changing you. You were lost, now you are found. You were dead, now you are alive. That is your story. You don't have to have been an addict. God rescued you from the depths of your sin. God rescued you from death. And now you're here. And if you're struggling with any sin, God has redeemed you. For you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. Come on, one city, pray this morning. No more games. No more games. No more games. There's work to do. There's work to do. One more soul, Lord. Till we, till this tent is full. Till Nigeria belongs to the Lord. Till the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. If you're asking, how can I be a part of this move? The Spirit of the Lord says, you shall receive power. You shall receive power. You shall receive power. <laughs> now, I want you to pray for oneness in this house. Um, our anchor scripture for, for one city is John 17, but it is also Zechariah 8 verse, verse 21. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, peoples shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Our prayer, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord, let one city church be a perfect example be the prime example of what oneness is, of the presence of God, of the marriage between heaven and earth. So please, Lord, let One City Church be a prime example of the presence of people who carry the presence of God. Just 30 seconds. Come on, just pray about the house. Say, Lord, let this place, let your presence fill this house. Then next prayer, I want you to pray for yourself. Oneness means alignment. You know what a cancer is? A cancer is when a cell goes rogue. It's when a cell starts to function as it shouldn't. So our prayer is that we will align to the move of God, to the will of God. Pray for oneness in your mind, in your body. Pray for oneness that you are one with the Father, one with the Son, one with the Spirit of God. Pray this prayer. Just say, Lord, I align with your move in our generation. Make me a vessel. Make me, use me as an instrument of your salvation. 
In Jesus' name we pray. I want to ask something. Can you pray for me? Can you just pray for Eva and I? I want you to pray for boldness. For clarity. Pray for grace. Pray for strength for us. Is I'm so glad you found me worthy.